Hi, this is Steve. And this is Lisa. And this is our podcast called... I Married a History Teacher. Yes. Lisa, we are back to doing, finally, another installment of City Love. Yeah, we really slept on that one for quite a bit. Yeah, the plan was to do Baltimore and then do a bunch of them, but it's really hard to like find guests and like people that are willing to set aside like an hour of their night to, to talk to us. Yeah, we don't have enough friends for that. Yeah, because we can't just do City Loves without talking to people that have experience in the city. Well, I mean, we do the French Revolution without people with experience oh, that's in the French total, Revolution. That's, please. please. That's history. No one was alive during the French Revolution. No one was alive during it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, just like this is like more of a cultural thing. And like we can speak on the culture of Baltimore or maybe D.C., but D.C. doesn't need a city love. No. Oh. But, you know, um, so we're doing St. Louis because St. Louis is like a super similar city to Baltimore. Got declining populations, you got high crime rates, they have bad reputations, race riots that happened within the last five or six years or whatever. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of similarities. Yeah, no, I mean, we should do it. And it's great that we were able to uh, talk to Tim and Bronwyn, who could really color the view in a, in a nice way. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's get the history part out of the way, and then we'll get to the conversation with two real live St. Louisans. Yeah. But this is a history podcast. We have to cover the history first. Before we cover the history of a place, Lisa, we have to cover the geography of a place. Okay. All right. So really quickly, Missouri is very centralized in this country, the state where St. Louis is, right? Yes. Although, well, it's a little misleading. As someone who lived in the Midwest, even, I always used to think we were in the middle, but we're actually a lot closer to the East Coast. Very true. Very true. But it's certainly not coastal, and it's it's at least two states away. Yeah, no, I mean, it's um, still, in terms of culture, it definitely feels in the middle. Yeah. So it's pretty centralized, but yes, further to the east. Um, it is further north, I think, St. Louis, than most people realize. If you are in St. Louis, and you're like downtown St. Louis, and you head east across the Mississippi River, you're actually in southern Illinois. Yeah, although also Illinois is way for lack of a better term, longer than most people realize. It's tall. It's tall. I mean, yeah. you can drive for six hours south of Chicago and still be in Illinois. Oh, for sure. So, At least. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, yes, it's more north, but also mm-hmm. it's a little misleading to say it's close to Illinois. And it's like, I mean. Quick trivia, Lisa. What's the name of the city if you drive due east of St. Louis in Illinois? Oof. This is a trick question. A trick question? Yeah. If you drive east of St. Louis. West Mississippi. I don't know. Missouri. It's called East St. Louis, Illinois, Lisa. We were just talking about this before doing the podcast. I missed that. Yeah. East St. Louis is... <laughs> I, it was probably referenced in passing, and I didn't think I latched on the fact that it was like a separate city. Yeah, it's, it is. It's Shit. like Vegas in... What is it? North Las Vegas? Um, They're two totally yeah. different cities. Right, 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 right. Um, huh. Yeah. Oh shoot! Now I feel like a bad friend for not paying enough attention. Oh. I was, I was, I was really entertained. I thought I was listening. Yeah. It's tough to get confused, you know, words and stuff. It's tough to get confused. Who are you, Steve? It's. <laughs> it's tough when you get confused. It's tough to not get confused. It's tough. It's just tough out there. Is okay. my main point. All right. Quarantine Geogra- brain. <laughs> Geographically speaking. Um, St. Louis is sort of at the confluence of the Mississippi River heading north to south and then the Missouri River that's sort of heading east-west. 
Hmm. Um, it is south of the Missouri River. I had to look this up because I thought, why in the hell is it not like at the confluence of the river the way a lot of cities like Pittsburgh and stuff are? Mm-hmm. And they had to go south to get out of the floodplain. Yeah, that's uh, that's smart planning right there. There you go. Don't be like Bangladesh. Don't be like Bangladesh. Um, so anyway, um, Lisa, that's where it is. We've established where we're at on the U.S. map. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, who were the first people to settle along these rivers? St. Louisans. St. Louisans? Well, the French, it sounds like. You're the French? The natives, Americans. There it is. Uh, see, I'm glad you recovered. I have it in my notes to call you a Eurocentric racist if you were going to say the French first. Well, it's also like settle is a very Western term. I don't think that the Native Americans like conceived of their behavior as settling in or anywhere. Like they were just, they were just living, man. Yeah, okay. They were All one right. with nature. All right, I like that. So. They literally quite were. They were actually like um, there was woods along the rivers and they would – Use the the trees to to build canoes, and they lived along the rivers and the trees. Yeah, that doesn't sound very settling yeah. like, to me. No. Unsettling part that we're going to talk a little bit more about later is mm-hmm. that in current St. Louis and East St. Louis, they built a bunch of mounds. The natives, okay, they were ceremonial for the dead, but we know very very little about them outside of that. Okay. Um, they're literally just like like a mound, like of they p- piled up earth and then there's grass on it. Does anyone, like, dug in? Well, or is everyone just trying to figure it out from above? Well, there's definitely been... Poking around? Yeah, poking around, sure. Uh, it is, you know, it's there's there's bones and stuff. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's like a... It's like a Burials, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, as we'll talk about later, St. Louis literally was a town built on an Indian ground. Because a lot of the demolition of these mounds were actually done unknowingly. Because they look like hills over time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Hills are a thing. Yeah, they are. Um, there's still one in the city limits called Sugarland Mountain. Sugarloaf Mountain, sorry. Sugarloaf? Sugarloaf Mountain. That's cute. It is, but it's an Indian barrel ground. And there's actually a lot more over on the Illinois side as well. And for a while, St. Louis was actually called Mound City because of this. Hmm. Died off in the 20th century. Some brewery should steal that back. Yeah, it's not bad. You know, appropriate the culture of the natives a little bit more. That's, I mean, that's what you got to do, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what everyone else is doing. Look at the success of the Washington Redskins. Exactly. Um, so let's move on. Um, Europeans. The French, you I've are correct. Yeah. <laughs> the French, you are correct, um, were the first Europeans to settle there. Um, a guy named Pierre Lacide. I don't, I don't know. And his assistant. Yeah, that was a little Fleming in the law. I don't think they really yeah, know why. They were like Hebrew French. They were not Hebrew French. You were really leaning into your non-Jewish roots this week. I'm Jewish by proxy, and it's Passover. <laughs> okay, let it happen. <laughs> All right, cool. I'll let you have this. Um, <laughs> Auguste Chateau was also his um, assistant, who was, gets a lot of credit for helping to um, settle it. Um, it was named after. Who? Who was, what was St. Louis named after? Yeah. I mean, someone named St. Louis. King well, Louis. Well, it was named after King Louis the Ninth of France. He wasn't a saint. He was, he was not a saint. That's a very excellent point. But apparently the French would choose their names when they are ordained based on a patron saint. So St. Louis was the most popular of the French kings. And this St. Louis was not Louis the Fourteenth, the super famous one, but Louis the Ninth it was named after. Okay. Okay. I will... I'll allow it. <laughs> You'll allow it? That's good. Um, 
And in the the 1760s to the 1770s were like a huge time frame for um, the Americas in general. Do you know what was going on in the 1760s and the 1770s in the, in the, in the modern-day United States of America? Declaration of Independence was 1776. Yeah, good, good. That's a good starting okay, point. Okay, so it was like the prelude? Well, no. I mean, there was war because there was what, – what was – do you remember the name of the war before the American Revolution? French Indian? Yeah, nice. That was – I pulled that out of my ass. There you Don't go. Don't ask me any questions about that. <laughs> yeah, not everyone. Besides Ameri- the obvious. Yeah. They were fighting each other. Yeah. So the French and Indian War is like super American-centric because it was actually just a small part of something called the Seven Years' War between France and Great Britain. And one of the places they were fighting was in America. But that was like one out of like 12 places they were fighting. Honestly, in this case, I don't give a shit. I mean, the French and the British are fighting each other everywhere all the time. If we Americanize their, the fact that they had to do it on our land, like I don't, I, I don't care. Right, that's an excellent. Yeah, point. so I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit here sorting out all your stupid wars. <laughs> yeah, I like Suck that. It. Please, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during the, you know, French and Indian War, um, France kind of got screwed a little bit, and there was French people scattered. Think about like all over the Louisiana Purchase. That makes sense. Yeah, right. So they all came back because the British sort of like were moving into those lands. And it led to the first little mini-migration to St. Louis because all these French fur traders came back to St. Louis, which was the really the real hub along these rivers is that the French were obsessed with North American furs. So like the Spanish loved gold and silver. The French loved all the furs of all the giant exotic, to them, animals that lived in North America. Rude. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Now I just got uh, images of, um, oh, shit. What is that bear movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, The Revenant? The Revenant. Yeah. Well, that is very much, like, that should be, that's, like, a great imagery for what we're talking about time frame-wise and, like, trading posts and stuff like that. Okay. So you're, like, dead on, Lisa. Okay. So the French make it back up to St. Louis. More, like, down to St. Louis, really. The fur, like, the fur. I thought they were in the Louisiana Purchase. Boo, the Louisiana Purchase. Oh my God, that's so embarrassing. Like Louisiana is take a it back. I tiny take it amount back. of the Louisiana Purchase. Take it Louisiana back. Louisiana Purchase actually was like a. Yeah, that was like half the more, country, right? It was more than double the size <laughs> of the United States. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I went, yeah. well, come on. When you say French in Louisiana, you know, you go straight to New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, man, can I go on back up north? Okay. So, so while they were losing the Seven Years' War, the French did something sneaky, which was secretly sold the Louisiana territories to the Spanish so they couldn't get it taken from them from the British. Pretty clever little move, right? So yeah. there was like a short time period in the 1770s and the 1780s where St. Louis and New Orleans, both considered these very French cities, were actually Spanish cities. Hmm. And then when Napoleon took over, Spain was actually plummeting in their economy because they had, you know, brought too much gold back to Spain. So mm-hmm. it like totally devalued gold and then their whole economy sort of collapsed. Okay. So then the French bought it back from Spain and then too much of a good sold thing. it to <laughs> you're good. No, so so the the French bought it back from Spain and then sold it immediately to the Americans. Because they just wanted the cash? Yeah, and it was kind of like a win-win-win. Like France wanted to dump all overseas colonies, all overseas influence because... What year is this? 
This is like 1803. What? Wow. Well, they really took another turn again then. Yes. Well, like think about what just had happened in France. The, the, the murder? The revolution. Oh, the murder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And so they were like, all right, we clearly can't even keep our own heads on. So let's stop being in charge of others. Exactly. That's okay. a great way to think about it. Okay. Got it. Got it. So we get it back. Well, we get it for the Americans get it for the first time. Right, right, yeah. right. And uh, this is a fun cultural thing in St. Louis. I don't know how intensely, damn it, I should have asked Tim and Bronwyn about this. Um, March 9th and 10th? Wait, I'm so sorry. Just for my own, this is selfish and I'm killing the vibes here. The French had it. Yes. So, so the Spanish. But so when they had it, yes. how did they have it? Just like a bunch of bullshit white people documents. Got it, got it. Okay, yeah. so they didn't like take it. Like that was just seizing it from the natives. Yeah. Okay. And like it, it wasn't even necessarily seizing it from the natives. It was like they did. They ignored the natives. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's just like this is our land. Yeah, so In the natives might not have even known that this was all happening. Yes. And yeah. this is like they're telling this among other European powers. Like to, to them, Native Americans were like were the same as like having fucking buffalo in the territories. Right, right, right. You know, they were they they, they don't deal with that shit. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so sorry. So back to your your momentum. Yeah. So March 9th and tenth, yeah, eighteen oh four is known as the Day of Three Flags or Three Flags Day. Okay. Because you basically have this like just over twenty four hour period where St. Louis belonged to the Spanish. Then it belonged to the French, and then it belonged to the Americans. And it's been an American ever since. And Three Flags Day is... Spanish, French, American. No, but like that day, it marks the, the day that it got, became American, yeah. and then that made it three? Three flags. So it, like in this one-day period, it was like literally controlled by three different countries. That's very... Bizarre. In it, cha- all ch- it changed hands within that time period three times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. March 9th and 10th. That's real quick. It sure is. And that's why I'm mentioning it during this... Uh, so this is like a hot potato. It's a hot potato. Yes, it's a hot potato city. Wow. Nailed it. Okay. Now, already in the works, in the background, was the very famous Lewis and Clark. Yeah. We are going to send them out to explore the Wests, and it was all part of this plan. Like, the Louisiana Purchase didn't happen overnight. Like, we'd been working on it for like a year. Communicating. It sound, how did it, but it sounded like hot potato. Well, yeah, but everyone knew that the Spanish were struggling, and then everyone knew that the French were trying to get rid of a foreign seas mm. thing. So, the United States, like James Monroe and Thomas Jefferson, were like, we got to claim all this land real quick. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so Lewis and Clark, Clark are in the background. Well, they show up, right? Like yeah. right after Three Flies Day, Lewis and Clark are there. They're there with Sacagawea. And then they're going to leave to explore the West. You know, I never really believed that that was real. It just felt what? too... <laughs> the Sacagawea part. It felt like it was manufactured to like try to like explain what happened in like a nicer Disney way. I'm like, I know Sacagawea was real, but it just every time I hear that story, I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, I almost think to us... We don't think it's real because we didn't even know who Sacagawea was until they, like, we were educated on Lewis and Clark as kids in, like, the third or fourth grade. But Sacagawea wasn't part of it until they made the Sacagawea dollar. And then we were like, oh. So it's, like, it's it's messing with our cognitive dissonance. But, like, if it would sound normal if we originally learned about it. That's my thing. It just sounds too too nice of a time. Well, right. But apparently, and this is what everyone says, is that, 
if it wasn't for Sacagawea, Lewis and Clark would have been murdered super early. And it was all about Sacagawea and her baby, the fact that she was his mother. She took her baby with her. Mm-hmm. Like, was like, I'm one of you. These are just two dudes doing some surveying. It's all good. Yikes. Would you would you call that a Trojan horse? Perhaps mm, I don't know. It's cloak of kind of because it, like really it ultimately led to the downfall of the native right because then well, that was inevitable though. I mean, then really nothing to do with Sacagawea at the end of the day. That was the, 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 the fucking European descendant folks, Americans, whatever you want to call them. We're going to take over the country regardless. Okay, just how are you going to stop smallpox? Can't stop smallpox. Right. Can't. Well, you can maybe stop all the murder. Well, Manifest she, destiny. Yeah. But if it wasn't Lewis and Clark, I guess it would have been just other people with more guns. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I do really want to move on from Lewis and Clark because at the end of the day, yes, Lewis and Clark represent the gateway to the West. Oh, no. This is the first time I actually didn't turn my phone off and it's and raining. And it's Russell. Oh, Russell, get out of here. I'm podding, bro. I'm silencing now. Okay, anyhow. Let's keep going. Um, let's move on. So the fam- most important thing that ever happened in the state of Missouri in terms of the development of the United States is something called the Missouri Compromise. Uh-huh. I'm going to pass through this real quick because it has little to do with St. Louis and is not about city love because it's probably a really shitty thing that actually helped lead to the start of the Civil War, which is basically declared Missouri a slave state mm. and Maine a free state to keep the balance equal. But that led to a disaster because Missouri protrudes so far north Mm -hmm. that it's also like you're in a slave state super far north. And if you went over across the Mississippi, you're in Illinois, which is a free state. Right. Um, Now, I will say that the good thing that like a good positive note on that with St. Louis is that it was the closest big city. So any slave disputes went to court in St. Louis. And the St. Louis court system actually was responsible for like doing – not horribly shitty things that you would think they would do every time whenever a slave and mm. um, their representatives would bring things to trial. Oh, that's lovely. Yes. Way to go, St. Louis. Yeah. Way to be a shining light in a shit storm. Yeah. Uh, the, the the Dred Scott decision, which we should probably do its own podcast on, ruined um, all of that. Um, but until Dred Scott, St. Louis was actually kind of a nice little beacon within a slave state. Way to go, STL. Yeah. Now... Moving quick here, Elise. Yeah, flying through time. Flying through time. I'm safe. Louis population is going to explode in the 1840s through the 1890s. Mm-hmm. At this point, St. Louis is becoming the fourth largest city in America. Yeah, that's cray cray. Little Midwest St. Louis, fourth largest Woo-hoo. city in the country. Um, cool. So a bunch of immigrants start coming, start showing up. Guess what? Two countries are the main immigrants because the French are already there. Now we got who are the big immigrant groups from the 1850s through 1890s into the United States? I mean, you got the Irish, you got mm-hmm. the Germans. Yep, there it is. Oh, cool. Irish and the Germans start showing up. Two very famous Germans show up in St. Louis. Guess what their last names were? Uh, Don't overthink von this. Von Hammer, Hammerstein. No, no, <laughs> Rogers and Hammerstein. I said Von Re- Hammerstein. <laughs> oh, no, no, I think, wish I said a real name. St. Louis. Think Germans, one name hyphen another name, businessmen. Um, Schwartz, F.A.O. Schwartz. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh god! I'm like, I feel I'll, like you know that I'll dead you, fish on a dock I'll just flapping. I'll give you a hint. The <laughs> first guy's last name was Anheuser. Oh shit! I always kind of thought they were Czech because there's a that is actually very fair because there's like the whole Budweiser thing in in um in Prague in the Czech Republic. Right. Okay, but it is it is weird. Fine. So Anheuser Busch. Yes. Fun fact, Anheuser and Bush, mm-hmm. their relationship was father-in-law, son-in-law. And I would like to say that me and your father are technically in business. That's Do you true. think we're ever going to be as rich as Anheuser-Busch? Just head to St. Louis and the rest will... Is that it. what we need to do? Me and Jeff yeah. need to move to St. Louis? Yeah, it just, work out great. Just explode? Yeah. We got a lot of friends there. Nice. Oh, yeah, it's true. All right. <laughs> yeah, so that happened in the 18, 1853, I think it was, is when Budweiser America was founded um, yeah, by yeah. two German immigrants. 1870s, Lisa. Mm. St. Louis 70s. is probably going to make the biggest mistake in the history of their city in the 1870s. This I know, because it's the same mistake that Baltimore made. Right. They divided the city from the county. Yeah. I'm assuming it was the same reason the county folk were throwing shit fits saying they shouldn't be paying for city living. No. No? This is totally different because okay. St. Louis did this in the 1870s. They were oh, the yeah, I guess first it's different. city in the country to ever do this. Something called home rule. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they're quabbling with the people outside of the, 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 outside of the city. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Quabbling. Quabbling. It's a mix between quarreling and squabbling. You know, I actually knew that exactly. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the city goes, we're separate from you. We're doing our own thing. You county folk do whatever you think. And that's going to come. We're going to come back to that in about 60, 78 years to, to find out what that does. The same well, that's going to take a fucking long time. Yes. I hope you guys are still listening. <laughs> a, 19, C minus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to use C+. Plus list. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, 1904 is what I call the golden year of St. Louis. Okay. Um, I call it that because it hosted the World's Fair and the first American Olympics in the same year. In the same year. Okay, but different... Different Not, events. It wasn't were, like just like a stand at the World's Fair. No, no. <laughs> it was kind of rolled into one huge event where over a course of seven months, St. Louis was visited by something like 20 million people. Wow. If you could have an Airbnb back then, am I right? Boy, howdy. I yeah. tell you. It's like the opposite of having one now. <laughs> yeah. um, wow. That's, uh, that's cool. That's fun. That must have brought in a ton of fucking money. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it totally did. And we talk all about the World's Fair when we get to Tim and Bronwyn, so we're going to skip it. Cool. We are going to end the city love part of St. Louis. What I'm going to do real qu- quick is explain. The city love history part. Yes. Oh. Well, in the love. Oh, the love. Because we have to get to what happened in St. Louis and why they have declining populations. Oh, I, I, I was confused about what you meant. Okay. Yes, because this is the whole point of city love. You talk about the good stuff about the city, right? Yeah, yeah, but you're now talking yeah. about... The not good. Right. Which we still love, right? I mean, that's love. Laws <laughs> and all. There you go. That's a great point, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much like every city in America, it got hit really hard by the Great Depression. And the big difference, again, just like Baltimore, is that it didn't really recover after World War II. Mm. So if you were in one of the cities that got hit hard by the Great Depression and didn't get uplifted 
mm-hmm. by the business after World War II, things are probably still bad in your city. Yeah. Um, and St. Louis is one of these. And basically what happened is that home rule that they did back, all the way back in the 1870s, the first city in America to do it, mm. all of these people that had money to invest, they felt that in 1850 with the cap, the population cap, the, the peak population of 850 million people living in St. Louis. That seems like you didn't do the math on that, right? No, no, no. I'm totally... You, this, you just I, said 850 million. Oh, shit. <laughs> 850,000. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh <laughs> I was so positive I said the right number. No, dude, it was 850 million. It was three times larger than the current population of the United States. Shut up, Russ. <laughs> At this point, it's your bad. Turn your phone off twice. Yeah, true, true. true. You love me, Russ. All right. Um, <laughs> so 1950, population peaks. Okay. Okay? It peaks at 850,000. <laughs> yep. Okay, and the general consensus around people that have money is, why don't we head out to the county and expand and invest in the county? Because not a lot is happening here in the city. Mm-hmm. So you see this massive drop in the population as people move out to the city. Out to the county. Yes, got out to the county, and the classic. When that happens, you see a bunch of very impoverished people, places that used to be agricultural centers like Mississippi Delta and Mississippi. Mm. They moved into the inner city. These are African-Americans who don't have any money. They don't have proper education. And when that happens, you see classic white flight. So then that happens in the 1950s. And then pretty much the population of St. Louis has basically been declining ever since. That's how you go from 850 thousand people in 1950 to only have about 300,000 now. Yeah, that's tough. That's but really tough. screw all that. This is city love. Okay. Yeah. That led to great things and all that sort of great migration into St. Louis led to a lot of great cultural things. And yeah, we're going to talk absolutely. about that now with our friends Tim and Bronwyn. Let's do it. So break time and then we're going to bring in our proper St. Louisans. Whoop. Hold tight, y'all. We are joined by our friends Tim and Bronwyn. Yay! Um, welcome, guys. Thank you. Bronwyn, I think you might be our first lady guest. How does it feel? Oh, you are. I'm honored because I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, we know you guys listen. That's awesome. We appreciate your support. I yeah. love that you're a first lady guest. I think that's like very right. Feels right? Yeah, it feels right. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, Steve, I think I've told you that we tend to listen in spurts because we only want to listen together. Oh, so it'll yeah. be like we'll fall like multiple episodes behind and then listen to two. It's always funny because we'll try to ask Alexa to play them and she gets confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that she can't find your podcast. It's just she we don't have the best rapport with our Alexa. So sometimes it's a struggle to do anything. Maybe she's racist against St. Louisans. Maybe that's maybe that's the problem. Against St. Louis. Yeah, I guess that's how it works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <right>. totally. <laughs> Textbook. <laughs> let's 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 get into this by um, establishing a little ethos here. 
Um, so can you guys give me your St. Louis resume? Why is it? Why are we talking to you two about St. Louis? Go for it. I'm so St. Louis that anytime people ask me about being from St. Louis, I remind them in New Jersey. Um, my parents moved to St. Louis when I was three weeks old, but like I've spent my whole life in St. Louis to the degree that I'm clinging to my birthplace of New Jersey <laughs> there for three weeks when, to make myself stand out from my other St. Louisans. And I also uh, went to college in St. Louis, so I've never left. Just 30 years of arches and toasted ravioli. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love nice. it. Tim, what about you? Uh, born here, raised here, went to grade school, high school, Went to the college of Miami of Ohio where I met you, Steve. Woo! Uh, moved back right after college, and then I guess it was a decade ago. So I've been here the last ten years working. We both started out in advertising, and then I switched into market research about a year ago. So, word. So you guys are like mm-hmm. pseudo creative types, pseudo corporate types. Mm. Yeah, that's us. Yeah. yeah, hand in both pots. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a saying, right? I mean, you've given me a visual for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's the same. <laughs> but I like and it. Uh, more of a St. Louis connection. We are currently drinking out of wine glasses with the Blues logo on them. Very nice. Oh, with your yeah. names. Yeah. But, uh, it was an engagement present from our oh. friend uh, Steve. You know Dave Franklin. I do, yes. He dropped it off and then sent us a text message so as to maintain social distancing that's good that's adorable that is adorable all right so what is your guys like favorite uniquely st louis thing culturally food wise music wise anything like that uh we have really good ghosts ghosts yeah like casper uh less friendly probably okay okay Okay. more i don't think ghosts need to be scary they could be friendly ghosts a lot of old mm-hmm. architecture, um, limestone. Mm-hmm. So from my understanding, spirits travel through water and through mm-hmm. limestone. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, so you... The Mississippi and yeah. all of the history in the city of St. Louis, they're just ghosts everywhere. They're everywhere. What is the story behind the ghosts? Like, is it just like, it's just a ghost town? Like, they're just into it? Part of it is the... Uh... So at one point, St. Louis was called something something like City of Mounds or something like that because there is a bunch of Native American burial grounds around the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure part of it has to do with that. The other part is the gateway to the West and um, some slave trade and then uh, heavy uh, populations of folks traveling West uh, when what are, plagues hit or maybe the spanish flu so a lot of uh dead folks um mm. who got holed up in st louis on the riverfront um mm. wow okay body. yeah so mostly unhappy ghosts i mean at least when they were living but maybe they like found peace in their in their spirit land because if you like pass through water or limestone like that seems like a nice journey to kind of calm things down sure i guess that's it well, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the mounds because it is kind of crazy that St. Louis, we talk about this a little bit in our history part, 
you you were like a whole city built on an ancient Indian burial ground. It's like poltergeist, but as a city. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I think if you ask a lot of people from St. Louis and maybe people outside who have visited, that might make a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> and it's interesting. And like we call these series, we call this city love, right? Because it's like we talk about cities that you know maybe don't have the best rep or whatever. You know, the first city we did was our city, Baltimore, you know, and it's like maybe St. Louis is is just struggling a little bit because of an Indian curse. I, I could, well, that would be a better explanation than a lot of other ones I could give you. <laughs> uh, that that kind of reminds me of one of my, Maybe not favorite parts about St. Louis because that's the Cardinals, but outside of that, well, that's Brahman actually, but outside of Brahman and the Cardinals, <laughs> there's kind of this funny St. Louis attitude where, like, Steve, I think you've, met, you've mentioned you noticed it in college, like, St. Louis people love St. Louis. Yeah. But also, we're like deeply apologetic for St. Louis. Like, we will, <laughs> like, if you're coming to visit to St. Louis, coming to visit, I'll be like, we have this really cool thing. Don't get me wrong, it's not like Chicago or New York or like one of the big cool cities <laughs> for us. So, yeah. there's like this weird dynamic of a, a very uh, pro St. Louis mindset while also understanding that we're not one of the big cities. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could see that. I, like it. I do love about St. Louis how many people also love the Cardinals to the extent where, like, I would say about seven out of every ten people I see in St. Louis is wearing some sort of Cardinals paraphernalia. It's like the most deeply intense sports paraphernalia town I've ever seen, I think. Yeah, so there's, there's like, legitimate reasons to that, and... Well, one, again, being a St. Louisan in the way I just described it, I could describe it as, one, there's nothing else. Uh, (laughs) Two other things. There's no generation of fans that hasn't seen a World Series dating back to the 20s. And there's also, um, I think it's since 1920, every single team has had a Hall of Famer on it. Oh, wow. Wow. they are legit one of the most winningest teams in all of American sports, not even just baseball. Like, they're really good. Yeah. That's Real cool. legit. Huh. And they had a lot of, like, early advantages built in from one of the strongest radio towers early on. So, like, anybody who didn't have a baseball team essentially got the Cardinals. And they also had – I'll stop with the Cardinals stuff. But they also had a guy <laughs> named Branch Rickey who was also – he, like, invented the minor leagues for the Cardinals. The Cardinals had the Cardinals and then had a bunch of minor league teams feeding the Cardinals players when everybody else didn't. Oh, nice. Good for them. Had a bunch of championships early on. Way ahead of the game. I like that. No pun intended. Do you guys have like a favorite like food or drink that you associate with St. Louis? Yeah. Uh, Probably my favorite and I think the one that is like the most – Stereotypically, St. Louis is toaster ravioli. I love. Yeah. Um, Can you explain yeah, to the folks listening what a toasted yeah. ravioli is? So, I actually just saw Jim Gaffigan came. I didn't see him, but he posted a video where he came here and he tried it. And his bit in, in stand up right after was, was like, Do you guys know the difference between toasted and fried? (laughs) (laughs) It's breaded and deep fried noodles with meat in the middle. Or cheese. Or cheese. Um, Mm. 
it's delicious, but yeah, it's basically like a square ravioli, usually with beef or meat in the middle, breaded, deep fried, dipped in marinara sauce. Yeah. The fact that they call it toasted, it, it feels very American, you know? It's just like, we mess, we mess everything. Like a hamburger has nothing to do with ham, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is true. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking just, of um, hamburgers, I want to throw some in here. Did you guys know that they? some people claim that the hamburger and the hot dog was first served at the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis? That is a claim that I read. I don't know if I buy it, though. I've heard it with hot dogs. I had never heard it with hamburgers. Yeah. But there's, a, there's like a decent amount of first-time-evers at the World's Fair. Right. And I read about that, and apparently what it is is it wasn't necessarily the first time that people had cotton candy. It was just the first time it became really popular. Because cotton candy was another yeah. one. Peanut butter was another one I read. Um, I heard it. was just like, I don't know. I don't know if these are all St. Louis invent. Inven- in- yeah. Nope. Sorry. Where are you going for there? I, I don't know. Inventory? Yeah. I, let's, let's move on. Welcome okay. to the podcast, guys, where I don't know how to speak. Uh, we'll gladly, gladly claim all inventions. I also read Seven Up and Dr. Pepper, the waffle cone. Waffle cone definitely true. I think the waffle yes, cone is. That is the one that I believe let's is. Let's elaborate. Oh, like just like the regular for, waffle cone? Yeah, for ice cream. Oh, wow. 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis. Like the waffle stand was next to the ice cream stand. And then yes. they collaborated. Yes. It's a collab. Dude. Like yeah. Nelly and Jaquan. <laughs> okay, can we just put a marker? I really want to do a pod on World Fairs because. Yes, yes, dude. They're fascinating. Super, yes. And like, think about it. Like, that was like the equivalent of an in person World Wide Web back then. Yeah, yeah. You like, got that to, is fucking The episode so cool. is writing itself now. All right, I'm into it. <laughs> and that's. Have you, guys, have you read The Devil in the White City? No, but I'm quite familiar with it. Mm-mm. So they talk a lot about the, cause St. Louis had the first American world's fair. The first, it was the first Olympic city. And then they talk about that in the book and move on to how Chicago got it and how, but that built Chicago. And they talk about the other cities who are in the running. It's very, it's a really good book. Yeah. I've heard great things that it's very fascinating. Okay. Can we, like, if we're going to talk about the world's fair, can I talk about some other things that happened in St. Louis? I'm going to try to see if you guys have heard these things in your lifetimes. Wait, did we get Bronwyn's favorite food? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Bronwyn. Go. You're also on the Toasted Rap train? Yes. What's the dessert? Like gooey butter cake or something? Yeah. That's what it's called? Yeah. It's literally called gooey butter cake. Oh, I nailed it. I do really like butter, so I feel like I would like it. It's, I mean. I think it's just butter and sugar. Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. And that's what it tastes like. Yeah. All right, so here are some things that were at the 1904 World's Fair. In St. Louis. Yes, for the first time people have ever seen this. A radio phone, which is basically wireless phones. Personal automobiles were brought to the United States for the first time. What? Um, It was the first time there was electric streetcars. It was the first time x-rays were revealed to the public. It was the first time baby incubators were shown to the public. What's a baby incubator? It's when a baby comes out. It's not fully incubated. It's not fully cooked. Like a NICU? A like, NICU. Like where they put babies that are premature. Yeah, and they put the heat on them. Yeah. So they're like still in mama. Yeah. <laughs> we're very yeah. scientific over here. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Wow. Okay. Wow. Baby incubator. Yeah. Uh, and the following foods are at least claimed to be invented. We talked about hot dogs and hamburgers. We covered waffle cones, cotton candy, peanut butter, iced tea, American classic, and apparently Dr. Pepper was debuted wow. at the 1904 World's Fair. Wow. Nice. You're welcome, America. Yeah. Real (laughs) quick, um, also, the humans that were put on display were uh, Filipinos, (laughs) people from Guam, and a number of Native American tribes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, all the other stuff sounded true about that. Yeah. (laughs) But if you think about it, we still have the Cultural Fest in Washington, D.C., and people are still technically on display. It's all about how you present it and how you talk about them and... Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's a respectful way to present someone's culture. Yeah, and like how much free will was involved in yeah. participation. Yeah. 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 Sure, um, sure. That's so cool. Yeah. All right. Already St. Louis, lots of points. Which, it already had a lot of points in my heart, so. What's your guys' like favorite town, like part of the city? Neighborhood? Neighborhood. I can answer that in a couple ways. And part of that, like St. Louis is weird in that, you know, every city has neighborhoods and like parts of their – St. Louis is weird, though, because they're, like, separated. And so, like, for where we live is probably my favorite part, so, like, Fox Park, Tower Grove area, because the park is so great. That's really close to Kevin and Cass, where they live. Mm. But, like, to go out and do stuff, probably the Grove for me. Yeah. Uh, I was in the Grove. It's like a, it's a fun hang. Have I been in the yeah, Grove? It, I don't think so. Oh, okay. It was... I mean, it kind of came back because of, like, in large part, the gay community here, I mean, this is, I guess, sad in a way. Like, we're developing an area to go out and have fun themselves, and then everyone else took it over. Kind of like... That happens in every great neighborhood in every city. That's why DuPont Circle is a thing in Washington, D.C. Yeah. You know, it's paralleled. Um... Yeah, we should go over that, though. I think it's important for people that haven't been to St. Louis. Like, I remember the first time, well, I went as a kid, but, you know, I wasn't paying attention to shit back then. Um, but as an adult, I was really surprised at how spread out it is. Um, I think uh, it's, like, kind of West Coasty, Southern in that way where, like, you really got to, you need to drive to get to different neighborhoods. Um, Can't walk. Yeah. It is not a walkable really at all yeah. I mean they're they've been they're trying and have been trying for a long time to make it better but it's just like the, the best places if you want to leave to go to a different neighborhood you're not walking there you're yeah. jumping in a uber lift or driving for 10 minutes it's not like you guys are obsessed with beer or anything though so that's fine no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually interesting because after I'm going to say everything's interesting um, I always say that too <laughs> so it's an AB town and so obviously that ran every long time and then once InBev bought them out there was like this almost like mini revolt against it kind of and that basically launched the craft beer scene thing huh. which has grown a ton I mean it has everywhere I, I know we're not unique there but Right. Uh, that kind of launched a reaction against it and it grew a ton and then like so Schlafly has been around for a while but that I think really helped them and then um, recently actually a bunch of the AB exec people 
got buyouts or retired or whatever, and now they've branched off and are starting to build their own. But I wouldn't be shocked if that's more of like a macro brew feel than a craft beer scene. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, craft beer is happening all over the country, but having spent a lot of time in Wisconsin, I understand like that culture, like everyone's just obsessed with Miller and it was like, you know, it felt like you were betraying the state if you didn't go for them. So that's, yeah, that, that is interesting that that was like kind of that push to go away from. Hmm. Yeah. I never really, like until going to college, I don't think I ever saw a Miller. <laughs> yeah, no. And we, yeah, same with Bud. Like it was not, yeah. <laughs> people would get booed. Like if they brought it into like a stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's drinking a Miller light. Tim walked in the park like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, no, it's really funny. Yeah, it was a huge rivalry. Yeah. Uh, back back when there were just a few giants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's going on? And is there a current day, like, speaking of, like, craft and stuff, is there, like, a current, like, art scene? Anything going on? St. Louis music upgrading? Artists? Anything? St. Louis has a fantastic art Scene, independent art scene, um, mm. and one that's really committed to fostering the talent of the the city and then keeping it here. Um, there's a great DJ collective called Far Fetched. They've got some amazing artists under their label. Um, we have a Fringe Festival, so Fringe is global, um, also across the United States, but St. Louis has its own Fringe Festival. Um, that's focused on accessibility, both for performers creating um, art and for and patrons more involved in the art scene. Um, it's a bummer because we don't, a lot of times we don't attract a lot of uh, like performances that roll through town. There was a rash of uh, tour bus break-ins for a while. So we've got to entertain ourselves and that begets some yeah. fantastic. Entertainment. True. Um, but our our independent theater scene is r- really outstanding. That's really cool. Yeah, hearing yeah. you talk about that, I mean, I'm not as in touch with the artistic scene in Baltimore yet, but it's been my plan, especially when I can step foot normally into this world. Um, but yeah, I feel like Baltimore mirrors a lot of that as well. It's a, it also is a huge benefit to places like Baltimore and St. Louis. Um, because it's a, just a more affordable place yeah, to live, which exactly. is great for artists. Yeah. You know, like a little sell one painting and it goes a long way in St. Louis, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And wait, no, Bron- I want to know, Bronwyn, do you have a favorite neighborhood that's different than Tim's? I, yeah. It's, so there's Cherokee Street, which is walkable. It's over in South City, um, right by the Limp Brewery. And the Limp Mansion, which is super haunted too, maybe. Nice. Um, but <laughs> Don't say maybe. But, yeah. <laughs> nice, uh, nice long stretch. Um, probably like two miles. Three. It touches four different wards, um, mm-hmm. and there are a bunch of art galleries along it. A bunch of restaurants. Uh, there is a brewery, Earthbound Brewery. Um, it's fantastic. A lot of history and interesting stuff going on. Love it. I have a house over there, too. Oh, that's Remember? really cool. Oh, nice. All right. That's yeah. on my list next time I come. Yeah. We'll have to sure. go check it out. Sure. I don't know if we've been to Cherokee Street. I don't think so. Um, can I talk? I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about Mardi Gras, just because obviously St. Louis is a very intense French history that we talk about. 
Did you guys get into the St. Louis Mardi Gras? I don't even know if a lot of our listeners realize that St. Louis does a Mardi Gras. Number two biggest. Yeah. Wow. New Orleans. Really? It, it, are you guys also being on Cinco de Mayo or did I make that up? Mm-hmm. That's over on Cherokee Street because the bunch of Mexican restaurant. Okay. I'm not trying to take away from Mardi Gras. I'm just trying to sort my brain cells. Yep. Um, okay, sorry. So continue with Mardi Gras. Yeah, second largest in the nation, uh, partially because post-Katrina, we also had a lot of New Orleans transplants really? that were hanging around. Wow. But they shut down. I mean, if, if the weather's nice, you can hardly move on the streets. Um, I accidentally went this year. <laughs> you accidentally went? I had friends in town. We were walking the dog with mimosas and then just kept going. And you end up in the crowd and then you're just in it. And you just walk around on the street with your booze. If you want to pay 20 bucks to stand inside a really crowded bar, you can. There are tents everywhere. There's just outdoor drinking for a whole day. That's awesome. Hmm. Yeah, you were like really accidentally in it with the booze and everything. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We live like right by it. Uh, okay. Yeah. And so I'm, I could have this way off, but I think I've heard that on a, like on a good weather year, there will be 150,000 people. And on a bad weather year, there's like 100,000 people. Hmm. And it's a neighborhood where they just block off the neighborhood so no cars can get in. So it's just a bunch of, you know, it starts off with a bunch of, loud and proud Mardi Gras celebrating people with beads and ends up looking like one of the bad scenes from Walking Dead with zombies walking around at night. <laughs> Fair. Sure. And just for like, for like, like a scale, like what is the population of St. Louis? The city is like 300. That, so St. Louis is weird. I think it's Baltimore is one of the only other cities like this where it's city and county don't right. talk to each other and get along. Mm-hmm. Um, so St. Louis, like big St. Louis, I think is like 2.8 million, give or take a few hundred thousand. I don't know. Mm. Um, under three. You're right. I researched these numbers. You're accurate. <laughs> city is like 300,000, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So of the city. Yeah. That's like a lot then. That's like almost half your, that is half the city yeah. on a good weather day. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> um, ah, shit. Shit. Well, Should I throw you off? Yeah, no, but I mean, I don't know. Now I'm going to have to go back and, and edit this stupid part out. Um, can we can we talk about the arch a little bit? Yeah. So That's I've got cool. a bunch of stats in the arch. I'm gonna see, I'm gonna quiz you guys. See if you know this question. How tall is the arch? As tall as it is wide. Oh, is that real? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's a chode arch. I, I think I do know that. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, that, I think it's 30 feet tall. Did you say 630? Yeah. 630 is 100% correct. Mm. That makes it the tallest monument in the entire Western Hemisphere. It's the tallest archway in the entire world. And it is oh. also the tallest steel monument in the entire world basically it's the largest monument that's not like carved into a mountain essentially wow that's super cool here's a trivia question for lisa let's see if lisa knows it's in st louis (laughs) lisa why is it an arch 
fucking zero clue. Just zippity. I don't know. It's symbolic of a gateway to... The West. The West. Oh. Yes. Yeah, Shit. Yeah. That's what the arch represents. Okay. That's why it's a monument. I thought... I, I was yeah. thinking like it... Was it... This is embarrassing. Now I'm transplanting the Statue of Liberty history onto St. Louis. It, it was, was it a gift? <laughs> it was not a gift, okay. no. It was very much planned. There was actually a contest, a design contest to see what it would be, this massive monument that St. Louis wanted to give itself. And mm. the guy, I don't remember his name. I should have wrote it down. But the guy who designed it and engineered it, um, he won the contest. If I had to decide Oh, Is it, cool. You guys might know this better than I. Isn't it? Wasn't it put together in three pieces, and then like they had to lower the centerpiece down? Like that's, that's some incredible cool. engineering. I don't know if it was three pieces. Like it was stacked up the two sides, and then the top of it was lowered onto it. I know that. Oh, so yeah, so that was the keystone, and it was like a little bit smaller. Yeah. Okay. And my understanding is that that piece of the arch is basically like why arches work. Like that is the the magical piece of an art. All right, can we do? Can we do more? We never of the, do that. Can we do more of these? Yeah. Did you guys know that the first kindergarten was in St. Louis? It 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 shows that you guys are dedicated to education. The other fun <laughs> thing that I love about this is like you guys obviously there's a lot of Germans. After the French, there was a wave of Irish and Germans. Yeah. And kindergarten is a German word. Yes. Guess what the German translation of kindergarten is? I used to know this. I knew it was German. <sighs> I mean, kinder is child. Yeah, and garden is, is garden. <laughs> it literally means like garden of children. Oh, shit. That was what like, I was going to say, and I was like, like no, nah, it's weirder children. than that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Here's a great one I found today, literally reading a book. Um the first primary election in the United States of America occurred in Saint Lu- by St. Louis Democrats for a Senate seat. Uh-huh. And yeah, yeah. on top of that, the result of that general election resulted in the 1854 riots where a bunch of quote-unquote native St. Louisans, you know, not Native Americans, like French people basically, got into a giant brawl with a bunch of Irish people. Over the results of an election. Mm. Good shit. Good shit. Yeah. Mm. Um, Can we talk about Chuck Berry for a second? Yeah. Are you guys Chuck Berry fans? He has a complicated legacy. Really? I don't know about the complicated legacy. Can we talk about it? Uh, I will say what I know, and I will say that he has, like... You know, Michael Jackson or R. Kelly, he is, R. Kelly is different. I'm, this is going to sound bad to some people probably, but like, he kind of taught me that you either got to separate the artist from the person or it's all trash. Mm. Uh, okay. I believe, I don't know the exact story. I think with Chuck Berry, there were either underage girls or... Um, it was, there was some sexual assault. I think it was, he was just putting cameras in the, the bathrooms at his, the place where he played Blueberry Hill. Yeah. Mm. For the day that he passed, I was very intoxicated and like, I'm celebrating the passing of this 
this monster and the group of people I was hanging out with were like, oh, it was just some cameras in a bathroom. It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know that part. I did not know he was, he was into the pedophilia thing, which I'm I'm not a big fan of. Or I I mean, if it, it may have been adult women. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know if I can now say, oh, that's the- fine then. You know, I don't, I, like, I don't, I, I didn't know about this about Chuck Berry. I was just geared up to talk a little bit about Chuck Berry for his contribution to music. Yeah. Uh, this is why you well, got to talk to proper St. Louis folk to get this in. Yeah. yeah. To be clear, Steve is not into voyeurism either. Yes. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Tim. And, well, just at least like culturally and musically for a, for a very long time. And I, I think still to a degree, I mean, he's, he is like a cultural musical legend here and around. Like up until real, like the day he died, they used to have him do these shows at this bar uh, in the loop called Blueberry Hill. Yeah, uh, I've been there. Yeah, Kevin yeah. used to live by there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kevin and Cass lived right by there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they would, I mean, in his later years, they kind of just like rolled him out there and had him do it. But, like drooling. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> The greatest just too old to be doing it <laughs> but i think and steve i mean maybe this is where we're going i think there's i've read that like the song johnny be good or or chuck berry around that time like that's a super influential you know musical contribution i'm not a i'm not great with music we yeah about this. so basically what he did um that it was great. So he's like known as the father of rock and roll because like everyone was playing blues in St. Louis and he basically invented rock and roll by taking like blues songs and like speeding up the tempo intensely. And, um, he made it like really about showmanship, like rock music is and like guitar solos and shit. And the other thing that was specific to like St. Louis is that St. Louis blues was was known for having more piano in it. Hmm. So if you go back and you listen to Johnny Be Good, his most famous song, it's a guitar solo that's super up tempo and it's like being played over piano. And it's just like he's also like the guy when like you know the thing about how Elvis, like people blame him for like ripping off black people for inventing rock and for he's the king of rock and roll. Hmm. Like Chuck Berry is like the main dude that he was like accused of being ripping off. So yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I did some research on this shit, yeah. um, but yeah, that was also good. I'm, I'm a little bit upset that he, he has a bad history. I should they have known all that. Do. I mean, yeah, this I mean, is the problem with success and the male ego. I mean, mm. this is a dangerous combination. <laughs> yeah. True. How is, sorry, what's that? And then, and not really being understood, I think. There's what? Sorry? Okay, I didn't catch it. There's some correlation between dudes and success and not and forgetting or ignoring what consent means. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to like feeling like you're – yeah, I mean when you're in total control and you can have anything We're, we're you going want. down a, a tough path right what? now. That is very little two to, sentences. It's very little it to do with St. Louis. Okay. If we're going to talk about a guy <laughs> – if we're going to give a guy a bunch of credit that has some issues, we're just going to give a little bit of acknowledgement to the to some of his transgressions. That's all. Okay. Fair That's enough. all. And I just, yeah, I, all I was saying was, I mean, I think once you have it all, it's easy to think you can take it all. That's all I'm saying. Hey, speaking of which, Gus, 
successful people. How is Jack Dorsey, founder of Twitter? Is he like a St. Louis thing? Do people claim Jack Dorsey? I think so. 50-50. Yeah. Because it's like, uh, he's, gone, he's too good for us, though. He's gone. You know, we claim him. He, we say he's from St. Louis. And like, of course, he's not here. Yeah. Was he living like out in L.A. or something? I assume so. I'm not Something's sure. Fancy. He just, he's living in not St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I kind of like did a little bit of who are the famous St. Louis people I don't want to forget in case you ask. Mm-hmm. And he was one that I had on a list, but then I took off because Brownman was right. Like when we first, because I think was Square before Twitter or was Twitter before Square? He's the Square guy too. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so I remember first hearing about him and being like, oh, that's so cool. This St. Louis guy, he's going to change St. Louis. Or, mm-hmm. And like, I think he's come back and done stuff, but I think there's a, probably more of a feeling that he's left us. I bet he wasn't born here, too. Could be. Mm-hmm. We claim them that they we were born here. We claim a whole bunch of famous people, whether they're really St. Louis ones or not. Who else? Who else do you guys see as famous St. Louisans? I think the probably the most important one is also the one who I don't even know if she claims St. Louis. Hmm. Uh, Maya Angelou was mm. born here, and I think first yeah. dozen-ish years here. And the reason I don't know if she claims it, and I want to caveat like I'm not trying to force St. Louis on her because she had a pretty traumatic childhood. Right. Right. She was, here, so I don't know if she actually claims it as hmm. her home or not. I couldn't actually tell that. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one, though. She's she's, she's, an, she's an important person. She is she is a yeah. solid, solid one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, then you have like the for athletes that Jackie Joyner Kersey is probably the best. Yeah, she's a good one too. Yeah. Hmm. Um. And then, like, actors like John Goodman, John Hamm. Oh! Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Carly Kloss. Carly Kloss. Big one. Yeah. Oh, yes, because her Instagram, which I randomly saw, is six foot two giraffe from the loo. Oh, yeah. good for her. Uh, just you cut out a little bit. You said Pam from the office, right? Jenna Fisher's from St. Louis? So she is, Aaron was, Ellie Kemper, who went on, you know, Unbreakable Kimmy yeah. Schmidt. Yeah. And um, Phyllis is from St. Louis. Really? Jim, oh, you guys right. just, like, made The Office. That's, That's awesome. Amazing. It's, like, the best show. <laughs> Nailed amazing. it. That's really um, I think the most random person that I figured out was from St. Louis. Uh, her name is Ola Ray. Hmm. She is, you know, the music video thriller? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson's date. In that music video. <laughs> cool. <laughs> nice claim. All right. Uh, the lady he's courting. Hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, great artists with some serious transgressions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I just wanted to bring it back. I feel like you really liked that topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep going. Okay. The last thing that I have that I want to talk to you guys about, it's super random and bizarre, but like I thought it was super interesting for some reason. I don't know if there's any legacy of this left in St. Louis, but for a while there, St. Louis was the biggest shoe manufacturer in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And they were the first to start making different styles of shoes for men and women. 
And they were also the first that invented left and right f- shoes. They used to just be one shoe. Wow. How uncomfortable would that be? You know, you think a lot about how hard it would be living back then, but I never thought about the shoes. Yeah. And now, shit, man. Yeah, apparently some factory. Foot comfort some, is a big thing. Yeah, I know, dude. It like lines up your whole spine and all that shit. Yeah, you take steps constantly. Wow. So, sorry, what were you saying? But that was it. That's all I yeah. wanted to talk about. I mean, Does I that? think it's really interesting. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't know that they were the biggest in the world. They 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 used to be called Brown Shoe Company. Oh, okay. I don't know. What was it like 10 years ago, five years ago? They changed their name to, I always forget if it's Sole Calaris. I think it's Color. Calaris. Is that a medicine? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like C A L E R E S, except some, went through some rebranding to change it from Brown Shoe Company, which personally I thought is a pretty great name for a big shoe company. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's very mom and pop feeling for a massive company. Yeah. So uh, I didn't know they were that big, but I knew it was one of the biggest. Yeah, it was up there for a while. Is there a chance? Do we know where Jumanji was set? Is there a chance it was St. Louis? Why are you thinking that? Because the dad was a shoe manufacturer. (laughs) (laughs) That is an interesting poll. And they had those like like, big houses, you know, like. They did, yeah, because St. Louis got those big old mansions. With the columns. Yeah. Speaking on behalf of St. Louis, we will gladly claim Jumanji. All right, I, I will grant it to you. Yeah, there we go. There we go. One of Robin Williams' best films. <laughs> yes. Jumanji. Nice, nice, nice. All right, so we're actually, this is actually, I can't believe we've been talking this long already. Let me ask you this, though. I'm going to give you one last catch-all. Is there, like, anything else left that you want to talk about? You love St. Louis for what you like about it. Remember, this is called City Love. We're giving St. Louis love. Like, what's your last things you want to say? There's one thing that I really, we actually talked about it beforehand. I'm not totally sure that this is exactly right, but at one point recently, we had the second largest Bosnian population outside of Bosnia. Nice. I want to say it was like early 90s, or do you know what this? I could be off by a decade or multiple decades, but there was a large... um, I'm going to mess up the language. Immigration out of Bosnia and St. Louis kind of, maybe this is whitewashing history a little bit, but welcomed them in, and like they settled in a certain part of the city. And not surprisingly, basically like brought that city back because a lot of this history is really concentrated downtown. Everybody moved to the county and then the city suffered. And at least for this section of the city, that helped, you know, really rebound it. Yeah. That's awesome. One of our best friends is Bosnian. I'm a big fan of the Bosnian people. <laughs> That's great. That's cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I think uh, one of my favorite things about St. Louis is, so if you're in a New York or Chicago, and you want a vegan cupcake, mm-hmm. let's say. Sure. There's like 90 million places you can get a vegan cupcake. Sure. In St. Louis, there's probably one. but what's outstanding about that is that you can really be somebody in st louis Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's also a town too where you can hustle to make things happen um it helps a lot if you're connected there's a lot of really old money in st louis kind of tucked away in inaccessible pockets 
Um, but it's also a place where you can sometimes get access to those networks or where you can, um, you can just build something and you can make it your own and um, really thrive. What St. Louis struggles with has been retaining that talent long-term, um, which is something we're, we're working on. That's, that's I, think I love. That's part of like a new citywide initiative for how to retain talent is the idea of like, you can come here and matter and be somebody. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can go to WashU, you know, one of the best schools in the country and leave and go to Chicago, New York. But up there, you're just going to struggle to pay rent where here you can be like a civic leader or mm. a leader in your industry or whatever your particular field. Make a damn fine vegan cupcake. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> right. That's really cool. I, lo- I love that. I, and I, that's how I feel about Baltimore, too. It feels like anything is possible here. Yeah. Like the possibility is just endless. Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. Big theme of this pod is going to be St. Louis and Baltimore. Very similar. similar they are very vibes, similar, similar cities. Yeah, they both. Like Baltimore is a big Midwest vibe. I, yeah, I really think they're sister cities. Sister yeah. cities at heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about that. The one yeah. thing that makes me jealous is like we have the Mississippi River, which historically is, you know, just massively important mm-hmm. America. But I mean, right now we, we like jokingly call it big muddy because it's just a brown goop of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like we're like, oh, let's go have dinner on the river because it's so great. It's not. But I once swam in it and ended up with some type of fever for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's a bold that's a bold move <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's just, like i feel like it would make such a difference if it weren't that way and that was one thing when i went to baltimore for the first time like the harbor and having something like that in a city is just such a game changer for the culture and just yeah how it is to live there well luckily they're getting better and in, like increasing technology to start filtering out water and stuff like that and like a big project like they're trying to start making the Anacostia River in DC swimmable. Obviously, DC is a shitload of money, so they can do stuff like that. But hopefully, over time, that technology becomes a bit more attainable, and and cities like Baltimore and St. Louis can do the same thing. Totally. That does, your comment on water does remind me. We for a long time had the best tap water in America. Really? Good for you guys. Wow. It's good for health. It is good for yeah, health. Yeah. At one point, there were shirts, and it was like beer, water, and baseball. Nice. Like, it was and murders. I think also was included in that. <laughs> yeah. we, but I love the honesty. Four things that we can claim to be champions of. Cool. Nice. I like that a lot. If I can give you one more thing to potentially yes, of course, research, of course. I don't know a ton about. But from my understanding, and perhaps this is true of a lot of major cities. But St. Louis uh, was built by a lot of black business owners. Mm. So St. Louis, um, back in slave times, uh, was mostly, like, if you walked out onto the streets, you would see predominantly black people who were business owners making the economy of the city of St. Louis work. and so if you look, there's like two or three big St. Louis names, French dudes like Pierre Laclede, mm-hmm. that, but 
there are like a few alleyways that still retain the names of these business owners that really were making stuff happen Mm -hmm. uh, in St. Louis at the time. Um, So I don't know if that's true all places. I was kind of impressed. Um, I mean, it's at least another similarity with Baltimore. Yeah, and I don't think that that's common everywhere. I think there's like special areas that really allowed that to flourish. And then, of right. course, yeah. you know, then the, the racism of the 70s destroyed it. But, <clears throat> you yeah. know, there's, there's an opportunity for revival now. And you see that here. I'm sure that's happening in St. Louis, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian, weren't you telling me that the first St. Louis millionaire was a black woman? Mm-hmm. What? Wow. How are you holding that out until this point? Super cool. That's big news. She <laughs> ran a brothel. Uh, her husband uh left it to her and she um i know this because she's supposed to haunt the building um Mm. so her husband left it to her while he went off and did something she cultivated the business made it a million dollar business and then he came back and he was like give me that and she's like, no, I built it. And the courts actually decided in her favor. <gasps> what? Justice. Every once in a while. I'm really glad you also brought up St. Louis courts because this is something that I'm going to touch on in the history of St. Louis because they have an interesting history, especially around African-American <laughs> people. Um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that in the history portion as well. So I'm glad you brought that part up. That is really crazy that they sided with the, the female because uh, I assume that was not recent if you're talking about brothels. So good for them. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I think we got to get out of here just from timing and computer battery perspective. <laughs> um, so we got to figure out how we can make this work um, to, with our catchphrase. Okay. Okay. So, um, Tim, um, I want you to say, uh, my name is Tim. And I went to Miami of Ohio with Steve. My name is Tim, and I went to Miami of Ohio with Steve. And you have to say Bronwyn, and I got engaged to Tim. Bronwyn, and I got engaged to Tim. And uh, I'm Steve. Bronwyn's like one of my favorite people, and I was a history teacher. And my name's Lisa, and I love everyone involved in this podcast, and I married Steve. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That'll work. Nelly time. Uh, 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 uh. Wait a minute now. Nah. Wait a <laughs> Oops, I meant to stop recording. And I just hung up on them instead. <laughs> <laughs>